tell you who's doing sneakers the best in the game right now. That's New Balance. The two-way V4, featuring this groundbreaking use of technology with fresh foam. It's called Fuel Cell, creating this combination that we love of rebound and cushioning. Fresh Foam offers unparalleled cushioning for maximum comfort your entire game from start to finish. The upper construction features this lightweight textile that reduces weight, which we all need, I know I do, while remaining supportive and breathable. Hard to find that combo. The two-way V4 gives you the tools that you need to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way V4 at newbalance.com. On this episode of This League, it is the Playboy Marty flu game. My producer has pulled a muscle on <laughs> in the snow in New York City. We also talk about why Damian Lillard deserves an MVP, why he should break the mold and pull a Russell Westbrook, why the Lakers are in serious trouble with this whole Anthony Davis issue and his injury. We also break down, we get into a little nerd talk. Why the Utah Jazz are the best bet in all of basketball and why. And we continue to answer the backlog of DMs from our listeners. Marty, I know you go to bed early, homie. Mm-hmm. I, know, I know you do. <laughs> I know you're in bed night-night at 9.30 p.m. But did, tell me, please tell me you stayed up to watch Damian Lillard cook the Pelicans. Oh, I did. I mean, I, I live with Ben Mint, so best believe I was watching the Pelicans game last night. And uh, that's usually just Sundays. Just Sunday. Where I go to sleep early. But uh, yeah, definitely watched it. What a game. Oh my God. That was maybe one of the best Damian Lillard performances I've ever seen in my life. Why? Because it was like we were up. We, my team, the mm-hmm. Portland Trailblazers, were up. And we're up pretty much the entire game. And then all of a sudden, the Pelicans just kept hitting threes after threes after threes. And it didn't really matter what happened. Damian himself would not allow them to come back. And even when the Pelicans did come back, it was like he had an answer every single time when he really should not have been the answer. Yep. They were all scheming for him. That last second layup, as everyone is swarmed around him and he still got the and one, Oh, my God. Yeah, and they were trying everything, too. They were trying to throw everyone at him and then sometimes uh, trying to, you know, lay off of him, let other people create, and he just – it didn't matter. He just cooked it. And uh, shout-out to Gary Trent Jr. He played awesome, too. I I love Gary Trent Jr. And Dame has been, to me, this entire season, he's been balling. And the problem, though, with, like, we've talked about small market teams in the past, like, when – you're balling and you're playing for a team that is not a huge market, it doesn't get a lot of national attention unless you're doing something incredible like Russell Westbrook did in 2017. So no one has been talking about it until right now. Stephen A. Smith, I think two days ago, three days ago, had to apologize. He went on the air (laughs) and for all of national media – Him, himself, Mark Spears. He named like 10 guys. He had to say, listen, we're not talking about Damian Lillard nearly enough. We watch him. We're impressed by him. But for some reason, we don't give him his love. And that ends right now. This is what Stephen A. had to say. What did this say about Damian Lillard? What it says is that we owe him an apology. And the number one person on that list would be me. (laughs) I am a huge fan of Damian Lillard. Dame Tom, I believe in it. I always have. NBA reporters. We all know how great Damian Lillard is. We just don't talk about it enough. And we don't talk That's about facts. it so much that we have taken this man for granted. And as a result, 
we find ourselves in a situation where it's LeBron, <laughs> it's Joel Embiid, it's even Steph Curry that's in the conversation now, et cetera, et cetera. But we lose our way, and I'm going to put myself at the top of the list, blaming myself. I'm putting myself at the top of the list because I have this platform. I have first take two hours every day, and I got Stephen A's world, and I got NBA with Stephen A and all of this other stuff. And I haven't talked about Damian Lillard enough. Number one in the NBA since 2012 with clutch points. That is incredible. Clutch points. Last five seconds of the game. Don't get me started with the last five minutes. Don't get me started with Dame Tom. Don't get me started with him averaging 29 <laughs> and how he's been doing that for the last three, four, five years. That right? And he's got Portland fifth in the West, and there's no C.J. McCullum in this game. No nurse, you know, you know uh, no, no Yurkic. Uh, it doesn't. Uh, he doesn't, it, it doesn't know matter. his name. I don't even know who the hell. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. <laughs> this brother, Damian Lillard. Tell me, and it's a rhetorical question, but I challenge anybody out there to tell me who strikes more fear in you <laughs> when crunch time arrives than the ball being in his hands. I know he said it was a rhetorical question, but I'm going to ask it again, and, and it's not rhetorical in this particular state. Uh, who strikes more fear in you in the last few seconds of the game other than Damian Lillard? I mean, the answer is no one. No. Maybe, maybe LeBron, maybe, maybe because he's so big and he can go to the rack and you know someone's probably going to foul him. But when you're down three with three seconds left on the clock, it's only Dame time. It's only Dame time. Yeah, easy. I don't want anyone else taking it. Yeah. No. And I know for, for a lot of people, they say, you know, Tristy, you're a homer. And I am a homer. Uh, but this, <laughs> this isn't me as a homer talking at all. I do love Damian Lillard, but this is one of those situations where – because it is my hometown, I'm like the the father of a baseball team, and <laughs> and like my team is basically like my son, and I won't glorify I won't glorify the Blazers ever. I always underrate my team and the players on my team because I don't want to seem biased, and I believe in my heart maybe that's what my love and my appreciation is coming from. So, I mean, I love Damian Lillard as a human being. I think he's the best player ever to be on our franchise, and that's saying a lot with Brandon Roy yeah. and with Clyde the Glide, but Dame's going to go down as the greatest Blazer in history. For and, sure. And still, with all of that, he's underrated. That's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. That is the truth bomb of it all. Damian Lillard balling this year more than ever, not getting any national attention until now, and now it's spilled over to the podium to the point where Damian Lillard is saying, hey, guys. Hey, hand up, guys. I am I am an MVP candidate. I am playing just as good as you would expect from someone who wins that award. And here's all of the reasons why. The best players win MVP. Uh, you know, and I think what you see is um, those players have a, a heavy load. You know, they, they take a lot of responsibility and wins and losses for their team. And, um, you know, they're the players that are um, – showing up night after night, you know, the, the games that are on TV, the games not on TV, uh, dealing with injuries, you know, all those things and, and just putting together performances and um, playing at that level, but also empowering the team, you know, and giving it, uh, giving the team that spark and, you know, uh, pushing the team to win. And uh, I think this year, uh, everything that we've been dealing with, with injuries and also playing through my own uh, injuries, so I think that's what, what 
what the, what you see in MVPs. And, um, you know, obviously, I think, you know, I see myself as the top of the, the league. You know, I'm one of the best players in this league. And I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm on that level. And our, the way our team is playing, given our circumstances, um, makes it even more obvious to me. That's about as blatant as you're going to get from Damian Lillard, I would say. <laughs> he's one of the most humble guys in the league. And yet he's like, hey, uh, everyone on my team is hurt. Three-fifths of our starting five are gone. Three-fifths. C.J. McCollum, Yusuf Nurkic, and Zach Collins. All. Zach Collins hasn't been around all season. Hasn't even played one game. Nurkic went out really fast, and C.J.'s missed a ton of games. And still, you would think at that point, oh, my God, Portland should have fallen off of cliff. Portland should be, like, 11th in the West with just Damian Lillard. And we're not going to call – I'm not even going to say what – the rest of the players are. I love this team. I think it's a very complete team, but you can't miss 60% of your roster and still be number four in the West unless you have an MVP on your team. That's true. That's big facts. Like, So I went and looked at how much they were all averaging, those three guys, to the tune of 55 points missing on a night-to-night basis <laughs> without them, just from the starting lineup. And you know what? Portland hasn't missed a step. We are fourth, fourth in the West, Fifth in the league in scoring at 115 points a game. Offensive rating is up there with only the Jazz, Bucks, Nets, and Clippers. Incredible. Largely because of how good Damian Lillard is at shooting the three. This team is third in the league in three-pointers taken. Third in the league in three-pointers made. Fifth highest three-point percentage in the league. Fifth highest free-throw percentage in the league. Folks, folks. That is all Damian Lillard. That is him. He is giving the rock to Carmelo when he's hot. He's facilitating and being a leader in big moments. That is what you want from your MVP. Averaging 30 30 a game, but as, as Stephen A. so poignantly pointed out, he is lethal at the end of games. More clutch points than any other player in the NBA since 2012? Did you know that, Marty? I did not. That's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty cool stat to have. That is a, di- I mean, <laughs> ice water, ice water. Four seconds are left on the shot clock and averages fifty three percentage from the field and forty eight percent from deep. Can we just step back and appreciate that for a second? Sure. Yeah. You are not giving my man enough respect. I am. I actually have him twelve to one to win MVP. How much money did you put on it? Not killer. Like, Not a but, lot. Yeah. You weren't. You didn't have enough faith, but it made a big difference if he wins it. Right, yeah. Okay, so here's the, here's the problem with MVPs and Damian Lillard playing at an MVP level. I don't know if you know this, Marty, but I went and did a little digging, did a little nerd shit. Okay. Since 2004, 11 MVPs have had the best record in basketball. Okay. 13 MVPs have come from the best team in their conference, three from the second best team in their conference, and only one player since 2004 did not fit that mold. Who was that player? Uh, That sounds a lot like uh, Russell Westbrook 2017. That's it. (laughs) And do you know why? Do I, I mean... Do I know why he won it? Or, yeah. I mean, he averaged triple-double, took over the storylines of the year. Yeah. The storylines. Yeah. The, the reason why is exactly that. When you have 42 triple-doubles in a year, 
that gets a lot of attention from the national media, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. It became one of those situations where it dominated the storyline at night after night after night for months, where it was like, oh my God, is this guy Superman? And let's be real, Russell Westbrook was stealing rebounds from Steven Adams. <laughs> like, stealing them. Steven Adams has gone on the record and said, I mean, sometimes it would be both he and I grabbing the ball and he would just take it out of my hands <laughs> to get the rebound. Yep. So, okay, people start talking about it. They can't help it. Stephen A's doing it. And then that trickles over to Colin Cowherd and then on to Undisputed. And you know how it goes, right? And then the sheeple effect starts to to click in. And then the public starts to be like, yeah, Russ, Russ, Russ. And then that's how you get Russell Westbrook winning MVP. But the truth is, given how the MVP voting usually goes, James Harden should have won that. Yeah, I was Team Harden that year. He was the lone all-star on one of the most efficient offenses in the three-point era. He led the league in win shares, assists, and points generated by his assists. He carried Houston to the NBA's third-best record, second-ranked offense, and top-ranked three-point attack. But yet, Russell Westbrook, dominating the storylines, finished 47-35, and 6th in the West, 10th-best team overall as an anomaly. Why? Because of just media. Mm-hmm. So if you and he broke a stat that people said forever, like, oh, no one's ever going to do facts. that again. That's facts. Yeah. I don't think Dame is going to be able to break any anybody's, like, longstanding stat for sure. Yeah, well, there's not many out there. Yeah, I mean, what do they say? Stats are meant to be, records are meant to be broken? Yeah. Yeah, it's like that. So no matter how much the Blazers and Dame ball out, Dame has to essentially will this team to number two in the West, in order for him to get consideration. That is brutal. It's going to be very, very hard for him to take, snatch the MVP trophy out of LeBron's hands because LeBron is now back into the mix of being in vogue. Of course, I mushed that by saying he would never win it prior to the season starting. (laughs) Of course. It doesn't really matter how many points, how many 40-point games Dame has or if he comes around a screen with two seconds left on in the game to win it against the Bulls or whoever, unless we keep Dame's name in front and center of the media every single Blazer game. And that is Trista Crick's job from now on out. <laughs> I am going to be insufferable about this because if anyone deserves an MVP like Russell Westbrook got it, it's Dame. And to be honest, I don't know if you're going to believe me or, or agree with me about this, Marty, but this roster, this bl- – Portland Trailblazer 2021 roster without Nurk, without Zach Collins, without C.J. McCollum is significantly worse than the OKC roster that Russell Westbrook was playing on. Let me just give you some of the names, some guys that uh, you might be familiar with. Jeremy Grant was on that team. Right. Victor Oladipo was on that team. That was DeMontis Sabonis was on that team. Ennis Cantor on that team. Steven Adams was on this that team. So Dame is doing more. Because he's fourth in the West, not sixth in the West. Doing more with a lot less. What Dame does for his team in in this small-ass market that would never, ever, ever attract him unless we drafted him is something that I think every fan, casual or not, should take notice of, appreciate, and really say, you know, Portland, you really just don't deserve this. Be happy with what you get. You're probably never getting a championship, but that's okay because you have Damian Lillard. Who does that remind you of, Marty? Uh, doesn't remind me of really anyone right off the top, so why don't you tell me yours? 
I think it's Kevin Garnett. KG. All right. Loyal. Drafted by a small market team that was never going to win a chip. Put up MVP numbers on the regular. Didn't get the respect. But then when the Wolves didn't put winning pieces around him, he was like, yeah, I got I to gotta go. He gave him a lot of time, though. He gave him a lot of time. Yeah. A lot of time. And he was sick. Oh, pfft. Oh, my God, was he sick. But the difference, and this is why Damian Lillard is is my probably my favorite player in the NBA, is because Damian Lillard is no KG. He is going to stay in Portland for his entire career unless Portland pulls a snake move and trades him. Uh, he was just on the Million Dollars Worth of Game podcast, which is in the Barstool Network as well. Here's what he said. It was just phenomenal. I think that's why you see a lot of players jumping teams and teaming up with other players because – the pressure of the media and like the standard that they putting out there like oh this person don't got a ring and like mm-hmm. how they talk crazy to charles barkley on tv like he ain't charles barkley mm-hmm. because he didn't win a ring so like knew you would like that <laughs> it's forcing dudes to be like well i'm gonna go play with this person or if i get with this person but to me like if that's what they want to do then i'm i don't got no problem with it like right. it's whatever but for me personally that's just not something i can do like i'd rather go out there and put my best foot forward and lose before I do that because I know I can win if I do that. Oh, my God. Like, we're supposed to win. If we all get on the same team and we're the best players, like, we're supposed to win. So you would never do it? I would never do that. I mean, no, I don't control. Like, if the team decide to trade me somewhere and not, you know what I'm saying, I I can't control that. But it ain't ain't for me to just be like, all right, I want to go fine. So you can't. Wow. Dame's never going to chase a ring. I love that. He's never going to run from the grind like Paul George. (laughs) Ricochet shot to Paul George. He's never going to form a super team. He's going to stay in Portland and grind it out. He's going to do as much as anybody can in the league to try to win a title, but he knows that there's a great chance he's probably never going to, and he knows it's going to affect his legacy, and he knows people are going to shit-talk him when he leaves the league because he never won a ring, most likely. And you know what? He doesn't care. This dude is solid. Is there anyone more solid? I don't know. Unwavering, unbreakable, not going to succumb to the storylines and the way of the new wave of the NBA and what everybody's doing. Doesn't matter if he's playing with fans, no fans, on national TV, on a Tuesday, on a Saturday night, in the bubble, out of the bubble. This dude is unflappable, unreal, and all the time. On time, Dame time. And. So if there was, this is my point to all of this, to this Damian Lillard soliloquy, if there was ever a year where you would step outside of the traditional bubble, no pun intended, (laughs) and the traditional way of giving out an MVP and actually give the award to the player who's truly the most valuable to their franchise, lifts them and elevates them, not just the best player on the best team, It's got to be 2021, and that's got to be Damian Lillard. I know I'm biased, but I think Dame should be this year's MVP. I've had – I've torn my Achilles before. Oh, no. I've torn my calf before. I mean, it's not good. Yeah. I'm injury. I've got some injuries. Playing basketball is a dirty game. Achilles sounds horrible. That sounds like the most painful thing I could imagine. You know what's crazy about an Achilles pop? It was a partial tear, so I'm not like a real hard rock. I've got, got my Achilles tear in a pair of Kobe's, which is very, very funny. Yeesh. Like two years before Kobe tore his, uh, his, his Achilles. So it's painful. The pop comes. You hear the pop. You don't feel anything. 
and then your whole body goes hot and cold. You get nauseous, and then the pain floods in, right? Fuck that. <laughs> oh, it's bad. So I've had tendonitis. I've never, ever, ever had tendinosis, though. And there's a huge difference between tendonitis and tendinosis. This is a nerd episode, isn't it? No, let's it? go. I'm interested. This is a nerd <laughs> episode. All right. So let's get, get it. Let's break it down. I'm, I'm really, really interested and, and fascinated with soft tissue and how the body moves and how that actually translates into guys getting injured and how guys end up being uh, have longevity in the league like, like you know, LeBron. Mm-hmm. So the difference is this. Tendonitis is inflammation of the tendon, right? Okay. All right. Tendinosis is a degenerative condition in the tendon, meaning it breaks down over time, often irreversible and involving some sort of loss of function, right? So it's, it's something that doesn't get better. It only gets worse. You can manage it, but you will never fully recover. Feel me? Yeah, for sure. So Anthony Davis has tendinosis. Tough. He has a degenerative problem in his Achilles tendon that he's had for a while now. He had it in the playoffs, you know for sure. He missed some games. You, you could see that he was struggling with it. He also has a little bit of an issue near his heel. And that's where there's like a strain. This is according to some soft tissue experts that I spoke to. Okay. And now what we know is that AD also has a calf strain. He has a calf strain and an Achilles issue. Two different parts of the body conflicting against one another, putting a lot of strain on the Achilles itself. Does that remind you of anyone? Oh, God. Uh, Should it? (laughs) Who left the playoffs with a calf strain and their, their team doctor said, you can play, we just have to manage it, and nothing is going to happen as a result? Kevin Durant. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Duh. And what happened? He went out there too early. Yep. And popped his Achilles out. Yeah, to the to the uh, delight of Toronto Raptors fans. To the delight of Toronto Raptors fans. This is a big time problem. This Anthony Davis issue is not only an issue right now for this team, but it's also an issue down the road. I know I've said some things about Anthony Davis before about him being soft. I know that. I, I would never, though, ever, ever, ever disparage what he can do. Elite in every way. When he decides to show up as a dog, there's no one. He's, he's typically unguardable at that point. And, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm heartbroken that he's staring this degenerative issue down. But this is, this is a problem. Lakerland, you should be tr- terrified. And now you're hearing from the Lakers organization that they're going to potentially get him back right after the All-Star break, which is six weeks, mm-hmm. four weeks. Ish, yeah. I am hearing that this is a situation that should be a three-month minimum. Three-month minimum to get him back, which puts us in May, May 18th, May 19th, right around the middle of the playoffs at best. Yeah. So, boy, I tell you what, the news on AD doesn't seem good. No, everything that I've read just seems like it's pretty horrible. Which obviously probably will make LeBron's MVP case look better. But the Lakers don't look nearly as good, obviously, without their marquee center. 
power forward, whatever you want to call them, positionalist basketball. So I would shit my pants if I was LeBron James. And the new news is that they're going to probably go out and get Mo Bamba. They're looking into Blake Griffin. They're looking into big men, which to me signals them fearing the worst. Yeah, I actually like Bamba. I think uh, I I was watching the Orlando Magic game. Was it last night, two nights ago? They just played the Knicks. Yeah, they just played the Knicks, and they blew the Knicks out, and Bamba was looking good. Mm -hmm. And when you focus in on Bamba, he sort of has some AD-like movements to him. Stretch stretch four, stretch five, can shoot the rock, can go down low. I'd be excited to see what LeBron could do with him, but not to get sidetracked. (laughs) So, But that's the the thing, right? So if you're going out to get Mo Bamba, what's going on? Yeah, no, for sure. Because you know Mo Bamba is a key piece of the Magic organization moving forward in the future. They're not going to want to give him to you for free. Mm -hmm. That means to me... This is a troubling long-term issue potentially regarding Anthony Davis, regarding the Lakers, and you're at a at a, a push-pull juxtaposition. On one hand, you've got Anthony Davis who just got paid, about to get $28 million, and you've got LeBron James, 36, staring down, father time, chasing, literally chasing Kobe and Michael Jordan's ring count to try to get five and to try to get six, and you know he's going to try to get seven if he can, right? Because mm-hmm. then it's like you have no real argument. If he passes Michael, there's really not much he could say. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so Andre Drummond, Blake Griffin, possibly Wayne Ellington, <laughs> Mo Bamba, the world is its crazy. The Lakers are now making moves, and it's going to be fascinating I have no I have no inside scoop other than the fact that this could really end bad. And the Lakers have to take this shit very seriously or they could end up in another Kevin Durant situation like the Warriors did, only have to pay him for the next 4 years. So, the league is much better obviously with AD and LeBron in it. I think we all want that. I think AD brings the best out in LeBron and LeBron brings out the best in AD. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is a developing situation. And a little nerd talk. So get well soon, Anthony Davis, and I hope the Lakers go and get Mo Bamba. Um, But also the West is now wide open without Anthony Davis. This league, oh my God, what a track. Shout out to the game for that track. What can we be talking about other than money? We're talking about the Utah Jazz, folks. We've talked about Shaq versus Spider. We've talked about Donovan Mitchell going cold during very important moments and whether the Utah Jazz can actually win a title which I don't think that they can, even though this new Anthony Davis news makes me very confused. Not a lot of love for Utah so much this year, but we have this is a love for Utah segment. So that changes right now. Utah may be the most fun team to watch in the league because they are free money. Oh, yeah. Easy money sniper. The Jazz are a gambler's wet dream. Like an ATM machine, you don't even have to put your card in. Yeah, they really they just spit out money to you. Doesn't matter who they play, when they play, where they play, how much the spread is, money. Free money. Just, like, go and get them. A, you don't even need to watch the game. You don't need to sweat it. <laughs> They're, like, up at 7, up 7 at halftime, up 20 by the end of the game. In Milwaukee, in L.A., at home, doesn't matter. Just lay on a beach, get a massage, and collect your Utah Jazz money. Rinse, repeat. So how good (laughs) have they been for gamblers? 
I mean, enough that I'm making a gambling segment in the show that's not about X's and O's, not about nerd shit. Historically good. We haven't seen a run like the Utah Jazz are having in 30 years. That's how good. Like, take pleasure in that because this shit is not coming around all that often. 19-2 and against the spread in 21 games. Holy shit. It's nuts. One ten and zero stretch, one eight and zero stretch, which is where we currently are right now, folks. In the middle of this hot streak, what is going on in Salt Lake City? I think it's just a lack of weaknesses. Like when you look at this lineup, like they're not weak anywhere, and every single player is good and like deserves to be getting minutes on an NBA team. They're just, yeah, they've got it all. The emergence of Jordan Clarkson. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has taken that. He was like a quote-unquote six-man for them. Signed that deal, and he put 40 on Ben Simmons' head. 40. They are a top-five offensive team, top-five defensive team. I'm not going to bore you with the numbers, but they're incredible on both sides of the ball, and when they decide it's beat-down time, like they did a couple of nights ago against the Clippers, Mm -hmm. it's clamps. Like, you can't even get a shot off. Like, you are running around like a – fifth grade boys basketball team like trying to shoot from your hip and like you've got that one big kid on and he can just block the shit out of you that's the jazz they just clamp they are a buzzsaw the clippers were tied going into the fourth quarter and then the jazz decided you know what it's time for us to stop playing around with these fools 10-0 run they never even got close i mean you would think that a buzzsaw like that would get all of the attention from gamblers right that would inevitably balance things out, and then Vegas would change the lines, and then things would not be so good for us. Increase the spread, making it impossible for us to beat the line. But, no, 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 that's not what's <laughs> happening. The biggest reason for that is crazy. What do you think the biggest reason for that is? Ooh, uh, that's tough. Uh, I don't know. Why don't you tell me? Sleep. Okay. The reason why is sleep. The majority of our country's population lives, 45% of them live on the East Coast. 15% of our country's population live in the Pacific time. So, when the Jazz play the Clippers, that's at 10.30 p.m. our time, and we know our boy Marty likes to get his sleep on a (laughs) Sunday night. So, there's a lot of folks like you, and that is even more weighted towards the sports fans of the world. So yeah. even more than 45% of folks who watch the NBA are on the East Coast. 15% of sports fans or less in that Pacific West Coast time zone. Who knows how many of those people are gamblers. So that East Coast gambling bias is real. This is a trash area uh, time zone to watch sports in. It is maybe the worst time yeah. zone to watch sports in. I have to go to bed at 1, 1.30 a.m. just to watch the Jazz. And then... Since West Coast teams play more games within their conference and in their division than anywhere else, that translates into a ton of weekday games that start at bedtime. Right? Right. Folks, if you don't have a flexible sleep schedule, flexible work schedule, or just a degenerate gambler, you're probably not going to catch a lot of these marquee matchups that the Jazz are in. On top of that, the Jazz, as we know, I've slandered them enough times, they're not a sexy team. They're not a a traditionally sexy market. Like, what's going on in Utah? Uh, Like, Mormonism? Right, yeah. And mountains? 
and like some wacky woman who's putting on a referee outfit and like creating these little bills for Donovan Mitchell. So if this was the Lakers or the Clippers or the Celtics, for example, that were hot, hot. Oh, I mean, this line would have closed up like. Yeah, I mean, the Utah Jazz will always have a boring connotation on them, whether it's fair or unfair. Yeah, and I think it's very, very unfair now. That's the branding of it all. So this is so crazy. This is a couple of examples of how crazy this is. On February 9th, Celtics, slumping, went to Utah. Jazz, four-point favorites. At that point, Utah, 15-2 and two against the spread in their last 17. So they were pretty fucking hot, we'll say. 55% of the public money went to Boston. <laughs> then, and of course, Jazz won by 14. The next game, February 12th, Bucks went to Salt Lake City. And Utah was a two to two, two and a half point favorite. And you know what? 60% of the money went to, to Milwaukee. Holy shit. And you know what happened then? And at that point, that Utah was a team that was 16 and two in their last 18 and straight up and against the spread. And again, Utah won by 14. And yet, people, these lines are still tiny. Doesn't make any damn sense. So no one believes in them because why? As uh, Nate Robinson would say, they're Utah trash, trash Utah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mormon capital of the U.S., like one of the worst arenas to be a fan in, rampant polygamy, you know, whatever. Utah, not a state that you're thinking about when you're looking for an exciting, sexy basketball team. So don't sleep. Folks, I don't care if you're a casual fan or not. If you want free money, until things start to level themselves out, if you want as close as you can get to a sure thing, bet the Utah Jazz. Cash it. This league, responsibly, of course. This league. All right, we've got, I think we're about to the tail end of some of these DMs. Let's get into it. What do you got? All right, first up, I've got, uh, what in God's name is going on with Kimba? Is he on his way out of Boston? What a tremendous, tremendous question. What is going on with Kemba? Is he on his way out of Boston? A two-parter. Just trying to, like, squeeze out as much insight from me as they can possibly get. (laughs) (laughs) What is going on with Kemba? Kemba is is hurt. Kemba is not getting better. Kemba's knee is, is unfortunately, he's falling victim to that Boston Celtics training staff, which pretty much almost got them sued because they mismanaged Isaiah Thomas's hip and made him made him play. Right? Yeah. Different training staff, same old tactics. A lot of rest, not a lot of strengthening around his tissues or muscles or ligaments, and Kemba has been up and down as a result. His play looks inconsistent at best, I would say. He's just, it's bad. It, he has missed, I think he missed like, all of February last year, and he's missed a ton of games this year. He just doesn't look the same. That marquee guy that you're paying money to is not the guy that you were wanting and expecting to have. Yeah, he's a third option. He is now your third option. And now I know everybody is, you know, the whole Marcus Smart thing, right? (laughs) Marcus Smart is out, too. The Celtics as a whole... uh, the roster is just not what you would want it to be. Danny Ainge is finally falling on his fucking sword. Yep. Thank God. Danny Ainge is taking some responsibility for how bad this roster construction is, which it's very bad. Tristan Thompson is very bad. 
Daniel Tice's mediocre at best. When you could have gotten Steven Adams, you could have gotten Serge Ibaka, throw the bag at them, and you didn't. And is Kemba on his way out? Unfortunately, I don't know that there are many teams that are going to take Kemba Walker in a trade because he's making, what, $30 million a, a year? A lot, yeah. He's yeah. making a lot of $28 million? He's making a lot of money per year. I would love to see Kemba get right. If I had, if I had my druthers, as we would call it, I would want to see Kemba go to L.A. Either L.A. team, fine. Because that's where it doesn't matter because I want to see him get healthy. And L.A. is the forefront of, of health and soft tissue. And guys, when they get that L.A. sun, 72 and sunny, 365 days a year, something <laughs> just happens with that. You see, you see LeBron, he's 36. He's playing like he's 26. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's what I want for Kemba. But it's tremendously sad. He's probably going to be locked up there in cold, cold-ass Boston for a long time. And, and what that translates to is probably not a lot of winning. Okay, yeah. Uh, next up, we've got, uh, what are your thoughts on the Pistons? And uh, secondary question again, uh, does Blake have any trade value with that contract? So I think this question came in like a couple of weeks ago before we knew that the yeah, Pistons right were— before he was being sat. Yeah. yeah, before he was getting sat, and it was very clear that they were pursuing options to get him out of Detroit. Uh, he's going to get bought out. So the answer is that there is zero trade value <laughs> for Blake Griffin. Yeah. Zero. I am hearing he might be a Brooklyn Net. I am hearing he might be a Los Angeles Laker. I am hearing that he might be uh, going. There was another team that I heard. Do you remember? I like him in Phoenix, honestly. Phoenix would be great yeah. for him. Kind of like an Amari Stoudemire role. Mm-hmm. And he said on Pardon My Take that he loves Phoenix. Yeah, he does. That was his number one uh, Rushmore city. Yep. But what do I think about the Pistons? This is a team that should be a playoff team. This team can – did you see them just blow out the Bulls? Yeah, I mean, they play good against good teams, too. They play yeah. great against good teams. They play up. I love Jeremy Grant. Yeah, he's special. Josh Jackson has reemerged. <laughs> I mean, you've got to be sad about that, right? He looks good. He's a bum. They have length, athleticism. They have youth. I love Sadiq Bey. Yes. Sadiq Bey is, was slept on in the draft. In a weak draft. In a uh, – I mean, I think it'll be stronger. The draft will be stronger in hindsight than we thought it will yeah, be. Yeah, thought of as a weak draft at the thought time. Thought of at yeah. the time as a weak draft. Dwayne Casey said, Jeremy Grant, I'm going to take you from OKC, and I'm going to give you all the confidence that you need to be a marquee all-star. And Jeremy Grant is that dude now. He is – he went bucket for bucket with LeBron James – in overtime and in double overtime. He was the guy that you could rely on, and I think a lot of that comes down to Dwayne Casey's leadership and what he's been able to do. I love them. I They are one of the most fun teams to watch in the NBA. Do you agree? Yeah, no, I do. I do enjoy watching them quite a bit. Yeah, I don't like playing them. They beat us early in the season. but they. I mean, they're every great team's nightmare mm-hmm. because – they're one of the worst teams in the NBA. At one point, they were the worst team in the NBA, and they could still beat you on any given night. So you can't take the night off because they have legit – they're so long. Mm-hmm. They can score at will, and if you're not on your game, you'll go down 20 in an, in an instant. So I love the Detroit Pistons. They're on the rise. I think next year they'll be – they could be like a six seed next year if, you, if they're not careful. Okay, uh, this is a fun one. Uh, who won the Russell Westbrook-John Wall trade? It's not close, right? Yeah, I don't think so. But. I don't think it's close. Yeah. The Wizards are 
the worst team in the East now. Mm-hmm. So I would say <laughs> that's enough, really, for you to go and 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 get a sense of where I'm going. Right. Uh, I think with John Wall and Bradley Beal together, this would not be the worst team in the East. Um, let's take a little trip down memory lane. It's been 750 days since Bradley Beal and John Wall played together. That season, they were an eight seed and took the Toronto Raptors to six, were leading in the fourth quarter against the Toronto Raptors in this, in game six, and blew that lead. So when you can, and they were eight seed playing a one seed. So I would say John Wall and Bradley Beal should have had a little more time together, and that organization had some had should have had more faith that John Wall would perform. I know it had been seven hundred fifty days. You're like our patience has run out. As soon as we even get an inkling that you're healthy, we're going to move you because really we're not sure. Mm-hmm. And. We know that what Russell Westbrook can do as like a guy who at one point got 42 triple-doubles in a season. But the Rockets with Christian Wood and John Wall and all of those other pieces, I mean, next year, I know Christian Wood's been out, but next year they're going to be pretty good. They could win on a night-to-night basis too. Um, so, yeah, I think it's not close. I think you, you take Houston. They won the trade very, very easily. Okay, moving on. I think this might be the last one. All right, uh, cool. We got, uh, is Jokic uh, making a case for MVP this year? Is Joker is the Joker an MVP candidate? This question was old, too. You can tell this question was yes. old. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, two weeks ago, the Nuggets were much more relevant. They were winning. Uh, the Nuggets, though, are 4-6 and six in their last 10. They just lost to the Wizards when they were up by 20. They gave that lead away. Disgusting. Just gross the way that happened. Um, they And I think that the Wizards are the worst defensive team in the league. So you can't get a bucket against them. Then what are you doing, really? Because they were – I think they had the chance to win on a last-second shot. And whoever put the clamps on, whoever. Um so, yeah, that's not Jokic's fault, but like we talked about with the Damian Lillard thing, you can't be, right now the Nuggets are the eighth seed in the West. You can't be the eighth seed in the West and have your center be an MVP. No shot. No, not even close. Uh, he has nine assists a game, 27-11-9. So his stat line's great. And I love Jokic. I think he's probably the best healthy center in the league right now because Embiid let's just be honest, is not going to stay healthy this year. Sorry. He's been he's already missed twenty he's already missed twenty percent of the games. Yeah. So I could say very confidently that he's not particularly a healthy guy and he's missed around twenty five percent of every single season since he's been an NBA player. So love him when he's on the floor. He's not always on the floor though. Um so yeah, the end all be all is this makes Damian Lillard look even more like an all star because the Nuggets have Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., and Jokic, and they're all balling. And you know what? They are all the way at the bottom of the Western Conference, and that is just not good enough for an MVP candidate. Yeah. There was another player we just talked about they could have maybe been using. Another player that they could have maybe been using. Who is that? Jeremy Grant. Oh, that would have been a tremendous (laughs) fit. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know what these teams are doing. It's crazy how... There are players who have one bad year and then they just get discarded. 
Mm-hmm. He was fantastic for them. Anyway, yeah, I think that you get the point. You can't be an MVP unless you're at the top of the league, and if you do, you have to be doing tremendous things, and Jokic is just not. So don't blame Jokic, but he's not an MVP. That's all the time that we have, Marty. <laughs> How was your flu game? Uh, my back is killing me. I'm excited to be done with the recording process. But, <laughs> but the editing process is going to be really fun, probably. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's all the time that we have for the This League podcast. Please subscribe. Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. It does make a huge difference. Please screenshot me. You're subscribing and unsubscribing and resubscribing. We also have This League hoodies on sale at the Barstool Store. Also... TikTok, please follow This League and Trista Crick on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. Am I missing anything? I think you got it all. I got it all. YouTube. People are really slamming us about our YouTubes and Twitter. I don't give a fuck about our YouTube numbers right now. TikTok is banging. Please follow us. We will be back Friday morning, bright and early. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.